Well, hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm Mark, by the way, and uh, uh, you know what? I had a great Thanksgiving. It was uh, it was quiet and uh, just hung out with uh, Shannon and the kids and my parents, and it was just it was a really nice time. Um, today we are finishing up the series of, of Judges or the book of Judges, and We've we finished actually looking at all the the major judges and uh, really looking at their life and their and, the, and their time and, and what they did and what I wanted to do was just do a, a, a quick wrap up of of the previous six weeks and what we've experienced together. This week I I kind of just reread through Judges and took a step back and and. Uh, we've looked at you know individual stories and individual times in in the book of Judges, but when you take a step back as we're concluding this book, you know what did what did we learn? What were kind of the overarching themes that were happening in this book? And Eric alluded to it uh, when he taught a few weeks ago. I think when you take a step back and look at the book of Judges, the book of Judges could have been very easily renamed or named the downward spiral. When you start out the book of Judges, things in Israel are bad, really bad. But when you conclude Judges, things are horrific. If you took the time this week to read the final few chapters of the book of Judges, if you hadn't gone through the previous uh, weeks, you would be shocked at, at the depth of just ugliness and depravity that the Israelites had fallen into. As you read uh, the final few chapters, you, you see a people who have lost all direction and, and really any resemblance of what you would think of as a people who are called the children of God. As you read the, the final chapters, you see that priests, men of God, are going to the highest bidder, just selling themselves out. You see men taking concubines and not even caring about them. You see women being put up and thrown out to mobs to endure horrific sexual abuse to the point of death. You see symbolism and actions so horrific that you can't even imagine that a human being would be capable of doing such despicable acts to another human being. And as you step back and you, you look and you're just like, oh my gosh, how did they get here? And you look at the story and Israel starts up here that that they're in the promised land. They're in the promised land. They would have been in captivity. They had 
been oppressed. They were slaves. And then a man named, was raised up named Moses and delivers them and takes them through the desert. Yes, it took 40 years, but it takes them through the desert. And then finally, a man named Joshua comes in and they conquer the promised land and it's theirs. Everything is great. Everything is going their way. But then something happens. And they do the first downward spiral. And then God brings a deliverer. And after that deliverer goes, and they go down again. And each subsequent time, they sink lower and lower and farther and farther away from being the image of God until finally they find themselves in a place where I'm sure they and us can't even imagine how they got there. And as I stepped back and I looked at you know, the, the way they got from here to there, was this downward spiral. They didn't go directly there. It was this kind of step-by-step actions that they didn't even see which, where this path was leading them. And it all started with just incomplete obedience, incomplete conquest of the land. God said, look, drive everybody out of the land. This is your land. And instead of driving everybody out, they decided to take on slaves, which was opposed to what God was telling them to do. And this comes to a point where the Bible calls this sin. Now, the word sin is one of those words that, that if, I believe if you ask 10 different people, what sin was, you would get 10 different answers. But sin is relatively a simple concept to understand if you take away all the cultural baggage with it. You see, here you have God's vision for your life. Down here we have our decisions in our desire for our lives. Like Pastor Eric was talking about, the things that, that we put in front of ourselves that we fulfill, think are the shortcut to our fulfillment. These decisions, these actions, these thoughts, the gap in between our thoughts and our decisions and our desires between God's vision for our life is the biblical definition of sin. And the thing is, sin can be a huge gap or it can be a tiny gap. And the consequences may be different, but it starts into process a whole bunch, a series of events. And... There's, you could call the book of Judges the downward spiral, but you could also call it the vicious cycle. You could, and we, all of us have experienced this vicious cycle. And I'll make a little circle here. And 
where, where it all starts out, and this is where hopefully you and I uh, uh, start out, is when we come to the cross, when we realize that we can't live within our own powers, that, that to have a complete life, to have a full life, the life that God has envisioned for us, that we need Jesus Christ in our life. And when we do that, the Bible says that we will experience peace that transcends all understanding or have joy. And this is the ideal that we're meant to be in. This, this place where our relationship is complete because with God, everything begins and ends with the relationship. All of life is having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. I use this, this imagery. You know what? There's all sorts of adversity in life. You cannot get away from adversity. You cannot have a life that is absent from challenges. And I believe that there are not many challenges in our life that we cannot overcome if our, we have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with the people in our inner circle. Think about it this way. Think about divorces that, that happen because of financial hardship in a marriage. Is it the financial hardship in the marriage that causes the divorce? No. That's a symptom. But it's not the cause of the divorce. The cause of the divorce is that that relationship between those people are severed and broken apart and they are no longer working together to overcome that problem. I mean, realistically, think about it. Could two people who are in financial difficulty, if they work together... Couldn't they get out of financial difficulty if they have a plan and they work together and they're not blaming one another, but looking at each other as, as partners to overcome this current adversity in their life? Absolutely. Two are better than one. Whenever we are facing challenges, it's not the challenge that's going to destroy us. It's the breach in relationship with God or with other people that will ultimately destroy us. And this is what happens with Israel and it happens with us. Is we exist in this, this ideal state, but unfortunately we forget. Like the Israelites forgot, like we forget. That we start seeing things that we desire more than we desire our right relationship with God. We start seeing things that we desire more than we desire to have a right relationship with our spouse or our friend. It's a severed relationship that destroys the life. And that severed relationship with either God or people, severed relationship, when it's with God, it's sin, with people, it's adversity. This is what we start seeing. We start seeing that 
The people of Israel moves, move away in this vicious cycle. They move away from obedience to God to, to following Him with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their mind and all of their strength and loving each other, loving others as much as themselves. And they decide to go it alone and do their own thing. Because they want, they want, they want, they want. They want things more than they want the thing that will last for eternity. And that's the relationship with their creator. Now, this causes all sorts of problems. And they handle it in different ways. But as we saw in this vicious cycle time and time again, that eventually that they cry out. They cry out in supplication, request, repentance, and say, God, you know what? We have come to the end of our rope. Unfortunately, we saw sometimes it took 40 years, sometimes it took 80 years. But eventually, the pain that they were experiencing was greater than the pain of admitting that they were wrong, admitting that they had broken the relationship. And here we, it continues on, and the great thing that we see in the story of Judges as it moves in, that God brings salvation when His people cry out to Him. Grace. Forgiveness. We look at it time and time again, and God says, you know what? All right, I'm going to send you a deliverer. I'm going to free you from your oppression. In the Israelites' case, that could have been the Philistines or the Amalekites or the Nebutites or the Libutites or whatever ites that were oppressing them at that time, that God would deliver them. But it was filled with all sorts of consequences and pain and hurt. But eventually that would move them back into this peace and joy. And this is the vicious cycle that we saw happen again and again and again. You may be asking yourself, well, all right, in my own personal life, okay, I've experienced this peace and joy. Sometimes you have to think all the way back to when you originally came to Christ because that was when you were the most open to the changes that God wanted in your life. That we came and said, you know what, I give, I surrender all to you, Jesus. But then after a while... Our own patterns of life, our, our own old coping me- mechanisms start to arise once again. And we start to say, you know what, maybe my way is better. I want to uh, experience this now. And, and you know what, I'll just hope for the best. Or I don't think the consequences are going to be as bad as... as uh, is good as what I'm going to experience. But we go into this, and what happens is we open the door there. We open the door for pain and heartache and, and uh, adversity and all of these things. 
And for many of us, it takes different amount of time to get to this place where we finally fall to our knees and we ask God for forgiveness or we ask others for forgiveness in those things that we have done to God or to others or to our to ourselves. Now, my hope is that with this vicious cycle that the Israelites went through and that we also went through that for some, somehow that we can learn from the mistakes of others. That we can have a community that we can come together and and hopefully be warning signs and 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 intervene and say, "You know what? Look, This is the place that you want to be. You want to exist in this place of relationship with God. That you want to follow Jesus with and love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and to love others as yourself. And to be a place that we constantly remind one another that this is the place in the way that we are meant to be living. But the other thing is, the reality is, Often, we do fall. And my hope would be that the time that we spend in between our sin into our severed relationships and the time that we fall to our knees and we ask for forgiveness, for those of us who are followers of Christ, that that time is as short as possible. That we set aside our, our pride and our, and our stubbornness. And that when we fall, we're able to look back and say, look at, look at how Israel went through the book of Judges. Look at how others who are wiser and farther down the path than I, how do they respond when they make a mistake? And to say, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this time in this vicious cycle is short as possible. And hopefully what happens there is that we move to forgiveness and we move, God brings us back the joy of our salvation so we can live the life that God has envisioned for us. And I just wanted to leave you with this. I found three problems really that happened in Judges which I think parallel in our own lives. Number one thing that Israel did wrong was they had incomplete conquest. God told them, drive everybody out. And they drove a lot of people out. They were obedient in that, but they didn't drive everyone out. And those people came back to oppress them. In our life, we have in, a lot of times incomplete obedience that will go 90% yielding our life over to Christ or even 95%, but that 5% leaves a door open. It leaves an open door for us to experience all sorts of adversity and pain. The other thing that I see in Judges is the unfaithfulness to God's covenant. That God said, look, these are the things that I need you to do. Remember the Ten Commandments. And I had no false idols, no, you know, all the don't murder or don't have, adult, you know, don't have adultery and all these kinds of different things. And you look at the book of Judges and they, they destroy all of those things. And in our lives, 
you know what? God came and sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Why? To restore the relationship that we can have an eternal relationship with our creator in heaven. And when we allow that relational drift or a relational rift in between us and our God, we're sent out in a place and we're living a life that we just were not intended to experience. And then finally, in Israel's case, they would have civil chaos. And the problem in ours is that we have a life in chaos. When we have that drift or that rift between us and God that, that we are out there and we are no longer living under the power and the authority of the creator of the universe, the creator of us. We are living under our own power and our own authority and that might sound sexy and great going, yes, I'm living under my own power and my own authority. But I can tell you from experience and the experience of a lot of others that our power is short-lived. And we're setting ourselves up for a huge crash and burn. Because our determination, our stubbornness, our tenacity is not the fuel, is not the octane to fuel the life that God has envisioned for us. So as I stood back and I looked at the book of Judges, and for all it's worth, I, I see the sadness of this, this downward spiral in the life of God's people in this dark age of the Israelites. But I also see this light and encouragement that we have a God who is forgiving. We have a God who is eager to open up His arms and say, I forgive you, come back. I desperately want to have a relationship with you. And today as we come to the communion table, this is really what it's about. It's about God's sacrifice by sending His only Son to allow us to have that opportunity to reestablish the right relationship with Him. And God told us that, hey, you know what? I want you guys to do, come to the Lord's table on a regular basis. Why? Because he knows this vicious cycle. This is not a mystery to God. And he understands that we need something tangible to remind us of the lengths that God will go through for us to have a right relationship with him. I'm going to invite the band to come up and and they're just going to lead us into communion. I'm going to just pray for us uh, right now. And I just pray if if you're in a place where you've been living in a life of rebellion and you want to talk with somebody, I'll be over there at the prayer couch. Come on over. uh, Or if you want to talk to somebody afterwards, you can talk to me or Pastor Eric or somebody you trust. Just really let us pray for you and talk to you about these things. You guys pray with me. Dear God, so often we we live outside of the vision that you have for our lives, that we that we live in in rebellion. God, I just pray that that we can learn from those who went before us. 
that we will not insist on experiencing the pain and anguish that our self-destructive nature seem to desire so much. That we will not be foolish, but we will be wise and that we will cherish every second of right relationship that we have with you and others. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow.